0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your hosts, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to another edition of the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. Ryan Ray here today, Josh Shelton, well, he's being Josh Shelton, uh, on a beach somewhere. Sipping on a margarita. This is episode 21 and it's so good to have you. Going to have a shorter episode today than normal, but we have some really good information. We're bringing on Sergio Chapa again to talk to us about the Eagleford. But before we do that, there's a couple things that I'm going to link to in the show notes for you guys. The first is from EKT interactive it's an introduction to downstream and so if you're interested in the downstream part of the industry which is as we talked about on the show uh influential in what happens here in texas with the refineries and i think even with sergio today we're going to talk about um some refineries that are that are being permitted here and so um i will link to that in the show note and if you use the link it's an affiliate link for us so it helps the show out it doesn't cost you anything and it actually saves you two hundred dollars if you sign up before august the 10th so that will be in the show notes also we have it um on globalenergymedia.com you can go and find uh, the page there with the link. Um, the second thing, Nape Nape is coming up August 16th and 17th. I will be there. I know the folks from Talk Texas Oil will be there, and uh, Jackie Daly Show will be there. And so we'll be all around, running around, uh, talking to people, meeting people. Would love to meet you if you're there. Ryan at GlobalEngineMedia.com. That's Ryan at GlobalEngineMedia.com. Now, so just a couple things here, uh, a couple house cleaning items, if you will. Um, next week, I hope to get into the second quarter earnings report that we heard um, over the past week, week and a half, two weeks. Um, from some of the big companies really and some some interesting stuff and if you didn't see what happened to pioneer this past week is uh their stock really took a beating when their earnings report came out felt bad for the folks who have stock in pioneer i haven't checked it today to see if it if it come back or not um but yeah it was really 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 rough day around the office for pioneer even though the reports aren't Uh, maybe as bad as you would think to get that kind of fall off. But regardless, their stock definitely took a beating on that day. And so um, we're going to get into some of that next week. I may have David Blackman back on to help talk about some of that stuff. Um, So question of the day is, what did you think about the second quarter earnings reports? Um, Were you encouraged? Were you discouraged? Or... Still kind of on the fence because there was a lot that came out, um, you know, as far as from these reports. And so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Ryan at globalenergymedia.com. That's Ryan at globalenergymedia.com. Also, if you're going to be at NAME, let me know. Ryan at globalenergymedia.com. would love to meet with you there. One final thing, and this will really need some input from you guys. We have an opportunity um, with some oil professionals um, from another, uh, from around the world that really want us to add a forum. To our website, so it would be like globalenergymediacom oil or something like that. And you could go, you could log in, and you could have access to, uh, you know, just kind of a closed group for oil and gas professionals uh, because we talk about other stuff on Global Energy Media. I'm sure there'd be um, renewables and stuff like that as well. um If that's of interest to you, right at globalenergymedia.com. I keep saying my email address. Would love to hear from you. We always love to hear from our fans. We have some that uh, uh, that, that reach out to us, and we'd love to interact with them. Uh, we'd love to know are you interested in that? It would just be an addition to our our services that we offer to our folks as it is now. And so let me know about that and uh, i think i may said final already but if i didn't final plug is for our texas oil and gas newsletter that should be coming out within the next week to two i'm hoping to have it out a week from monday um no promises there because we have nape week that that week so it might be the 21st before i get it out or even as late as the 28th but i go on vacation shortly thereafter finally catching up with josh and so um i hope to have it out before that um okay so without further ado let me bring on sergio Chapa, who i had the pleasure to sit down with again um on Friday when we recorded this and we will get to that and I will talk to you guys next time. Well, Sergio, it's good to have you on again. And before I kind of get into our what we have planned for today, it, it, it's got to be noted that your appearance last week had repercussions that we see around the world with uh, FERC appointing the commissioners at the Texas Railroad Commission, uh, the commissioners were asking for. And I kind of feel like we kind of got slided, and we didn't get the, 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 the credit that we were due for for reaching the masses with this news.
1: Right. No, you, it, was a, it was a very important, uh, two very important important appointments, you know, at the federal level. And, um, you know, we all know that process is, is, is highly political. Um, but, you know, what's at stake here is, is billions of dollars worth of infrastructure projects, you know, here in Texas and across the United States. And, you know, uh, Railroad Commissioner Wayne Christian kind of took the leadership role on that. In working with uh, you know Texas uh, Texas two U.S. senators, you know John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, and I think together they were able to get these, uh, you know, the, all the news is breaking today about the uh, the uh, nominations being confirmed, and you know that that allows the FERC to have a quorum again, and they can you know review applications and make rulings, issue permits, do all that good stuff that
0: that they do, and they
1: can they can take concerns from environmentalists and they can. You know, make make decisions now as an as a as an agency, as a regulatory agency.
0: Well, I know that that the that the politicians got to stick together, but we all know that President Trump actually gets his news from organizations like us and and other media outlets. So I'm just gonna uh, assume that the that he pushed it through because he heard your appearance on the Texas and Gas podcast, and that you should get some credit. So so kudos to you, sir, for for bringing yes. this news to the masses and getting that done this week. Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> um and w- and one one more story that's breaking this morning, Sergio, is uh Lilith Energy has some some shakeups at the top. What's going on there?
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right, Ryan. Um so it all it all started earlier this week when the uh Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, filed a lawsuit against Lilith Energy CEO Avi Meerman. And um as as many of y'all have read in the in, in the business journal and elsewhere, you know, Avi Avi took this company, Lilith Energy, um, and merged it with Brushy Resources in San Antonio, and and moved it from moved Lillis from Denver to San Antonio, and, and they're they're a Permian play company, so you know I mean they were they were out there um, they sold their assets in the DJ Basin in Colorado, and they invested everything in the Permian, and you know it, it was just starting to look like it was paying off uh, when when all this hit, um, when all this came down rather and um you know uh, avi as a ceo he took lilith energy from being just a penny stock company to being traded on the nasdaq and then from the nasdaq he got it moved to the new york stock Exchange. three you know two big moves in in in, you know in, in less than a year for a company that had been on the brink of bankruptcy you know during the downturn and so and now it's it's you know they're out in the permian drilling and producing oil um so uh, but he got named earlier this week by the SEC. It's all involving like a penny stock pump and dump scheme. Oh no! And um, yeah, and um, so what what happened with that is that, you know, he worked at uh, Avi. Um, you know, five years ago, worked for an investment, uh, you know, broker dealer firm in uh, in New York, and uh, their their client was was his, was his company involved in the penny stock scheme. So the SEC is alleging that he. He knew that it was a pump and dump scheme and, um, and pro- actively participated in it. Um, and then, so he, 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 of course denies that he issued a statement, this week saying he denies it. And, uh, but then in a surprise turn this morning, you know, he resigned from his company and now James Linville, who had been Lilith Energy's president is now president and CEO. So. Uh, we're waiting on some guidance from them about, you know, how the company, you know, CapEx and, you know, drilling out.
0: You know, it's interesting, it's interesting Sergio, because we covered um, Linville going there on, I think, episode seven of the Texas Oil and Gas uh, podcast. And at the time, we just thought, you know, okay, here's a move, you know, you know someone joined a new company. Do you think that they kind of thought maybe this was coming down, 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 you know, downstream a little bit and went ahead and brought um, James Linville in back in, um, was it early, early June, I think it was, to in case something like this happened?
1: You know, no, I, I kind of don't. No, they were actively recruiting talent at the time, and, and they were talking about doing all these, uh, you know, kind of acquisition deals and joint ventures. And I think they were just looking for someone with, you know, experience in, in those areas. Um, you know, of course, like I said, this 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 whole matter with the penny stock company has been, you know, in the background of things for years, since like at least 2012 or 2013, and, and you know, from since sense when it first happened – but you know, I mean, Avi's name has never been publicly mentioned. You know, it was always the the it was always the uh, the the main person behind it. This like a investment banker behind the, the 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 alleged scheme. Like he was always named, and he had been named in other lawsuits. And you know, Avi's name had never really come up in in this particular uh, you know matter. So to me, it was it was, it certainly surprised me. But you know, I mean, James Linville is a is a veteran of the oil and gas industry so that's right. on, uh, on the advisory board at the university, you know, their engineering program. So he he's he a solid choice. Um, just like I said, waiting to hear back from him about, you know, where the company's going next right this move.
0: okay well let's transition into um the first story that we had planned for today at least uh, and this is something we've covered uh, a while back but you have an update for us um you wrote an article this week about the um the refinery that's being built uh mx uh, maple resources is also tied up with those guys what's going on there they've they've uh filed for a new permit it looks like uh what can you tell us about it
1: right mmex out there in in fort stockton now um a while back, back in March, uh, the company announced that they they wanted to build had plans to build a refinery, you know, along the Te- the Texas Pacifico Railroad, you know, and ship refined products to um, to Mexico. And that 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 of course, as you know, and we have talked about several times, is a growing market for for gasoline and diesel. And um, well, they made a big milestone um, earlier this week. Actually, on Monday, actually, they finally say they, they filed their permit with the T E C E Q, you know, for the first phase phase of the project. Now when you look at the permit, it's a little bit different than when they first talked about it. They they had talked about, you know, making it the first greenfield, the first new refinery in the United States for right. four decades. And um, you know, what w- what they turned in was a permit filing for a crude distillation unit. Now, I mean, a unit like that can, you know, you know, take take crude oil and, and make, you know, kind of high-sulfur diesel and, uh, you know, NAPTA and a few other things, a few other little products. But it's not what you'd really call what people consider a refinery refinery. So, you know, what, what this permit signals is that they kind of change their plans. Um, and what I was told by the company's CEO, Jack Hanks, it's all part of the strategy. You know, the, the wait time for a refinery permit, brand-new refinery permit, is, is something going on towards two years, you know? But whereas, like, a crude distillation unit, you know, those things can can be approved, you know, within 45 days, he said. And um, so that's just kind of a strategy shift. They get one unit of the refiner built first, then they kind of add on other things as they go. And in the meantime, you know, what's really interesting with the crude refiner unit, they're not going to be shipping that product to Mexico like they had initially said. you know, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be shipping, like uh, – uh, the, those ATB residual oils, NAPPA to the Gulf Coast, and then they're going to be using the. What they plan to do is market the diesel to be sold locally in the Permian Basin to be used for fracking. So um, that's it's kind of a you know business plan change. I mean, they're still in it, they say, to to build that full scale refinery. But for now, what you know what we've seen in the public record is just a permit application for a crude distillation unit.
0: Well, I guess I have to ask because I remember when the story came out and we talked about it on the show, it was big news. You, as you mentioned, it was going to be a greenfield. It was kind of new, and everyone was, you know, throwing out numbers about when the last time this had happened, and all of this kind of hype was around it and going to Mexico. And it seems like now that you know the the, the permitting process, you're saying, and, and what they're doing is change their business strategy. Uh, does it kind of feel like maybe they initially acted as if they're going to go one way to kind of get the the hype and the momentum behind their project, knowing that they're going to shift? Because I, I would imagine that they knew the permitting process. Was you know two years versus forty five days when they made their first announcement.
1: Well, from what, from what I noticed is that the, the shift in strategy happened after the uh, after the company contracted Trinity uh, Trinity uh, Consultants in Dallas, and then they started to have meetings with the TCQ and and um, you know they I you know as you know when they originally made the announcement, their intention was to you do the, the permit for the full blown refinery, and I think that. That just like looking at it from a more pragmatic standpoint they decided that it would it would be better to take this approach to the project um and you, you can see that they had there there were some documented meetings between the company that, and their their consulting environmental consulting firm and, and the tcq you know where they talked about this and so you know they, they made the announcement in june that they would they would be making the strategy change and that was shortly after their meeting with tcq so now the, this filing is just a follow up to that that previous announcement.
0: So, okay, well, fair enough. Um, let's go on to our next article that you have for us today. We talk about Valero. We talk about Mexico. Um, it, just, it seems like you know if you're talking about Texas oil and gas these days, you have to bring in Mexico at some point, just because of all the stuff that's going on there. Uh, we touched on it earlier with some of the, fur- the permits that are going to be done. Um, what's going on with Valero and Mexico, and how does this all tie together for us?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ryan. It seems like every week we're talking about, a you know, a different company landing a, a big uh, supply deal or infrastructure deal in, in Mexico. And, and this week's no exception. I mean, we had a San Antonio-based refining company, Valero, you know, one of the largest independent refining companies in the United States, you know, announced a big supply deal, you know, in the port of Veracruz. And, and you know, that's where the Valero, you know, uh, signed a long-term agreement with IE Nova, uh, that's, a, that's a company from uh, Mexico City, but it's owned by Sempra Energy in San Diego. You know, and as part of this deal, you know, Valero will be uh, supplying refined products, you know, to a 1.4 million barrel uh, storage terminal in the of Veracruz that, that's going to be built by IE Nova. And then from there, it's going to be shipped by rail to, uh, you know, other storage terminals in Puebla and Mexico City. And you know, it's a very noteworthy deal. Uh, earlier this year, you know, Valero had announced it was building, you know, a uh, a marine terminal in the port city of Altamira, you know, kind of just about a few hours south of Brownsville, Texas, and from there, you know, the refined products are going to go to like San Luis Potosi and also to Monterey. So, I mean, already in this in in two months' time, Valero's had two, you know, major supply and infrastructure deals, you know, south of the border. So. I mean, this, this this Mexican fuels market is heating up. Uh, down there in Mexico, they've got, you know, only six refineries for the entire country, and, and their production uh, just keeps going down. So they got to fill the gap with energy from the United States, with fuels from the United States. And I, I think you'll see more of these deals as well. A- Time goes on, Ryan.
0: right? Right. And, and, you know, what's interesting is if I'm looking at the right spot uh, right where, where the port's at, it's about a five-hour drive from Vera Coast, uh, Veracruz port to uh, the heart of Mexico City. And so you're talking about a train, you know, you can straighten that out. You can cut some time off there. Um, and so this is, you know, it, it, it would make sense to put something right here. So where is Valero? Is this um, Are they shipping from uh, Texas assets or is this from all over the world? Or where are their assets coming that's going to uh, go to this port at Veracruz?
1: Right. No, no. Uh, good point. Now, they've got, you know, they've got refineries in, in Corpus, Houston, Fort Arthur, all along the Gulf Coast in Louisiana. And um, what, what you can expect is refined products coming from those refineries in the United States being shipped by tanker to, to, to Veracruz and stored there and then shipped further inland. Um, that seems to be the business model. You know, a couple of years back, I, I, I got an opportunity to interview Joe Gordon. I asked him, you know, with, with Mexico's energy reforms, are, are you ever thinking about building a refinery in Mexico? you know, his answer was no, but they would look at, uh, they would look at opportunities, you know, in Mexico. And here we are two years later, you know, two major supply deals in two months time already.
0: Right, right, right. Well, okay. Uh, before we let you go, we always go over your drilling permit roundup, um, that you release on Mondays and it is where, you know, I like to go on Mondays to see who's drilling, who's working. So tell us what we missed if they weren't subscribed this past week.
1: Right. Uh, no, of course. And, and, you know, um, you know, I see these numbers on a week-by-week week basis, and, uh, you know, the recent dip in oil prices is kind of showing up in uh, uh, on these drilling permits. Normally, we have, like, 70 to 80 a week, but, but you know, like, uh, on, on this past Monday's report, there were only 25 drilling permits for all of South Texas, filed by eight companies. Um, but, you know, like, you know, the the out of those 25, 11 of them came from EOG Resources, you know, and, and they're drilling all over the Eagleford and Gonzales, Carnes, and LaSalle County. That's LaSalle Counties. And, and um, they're, it seems like they're able to make these prices work for them, you know, in the Eagleford. So other companies are scaling back, but they're still, you know, continuing to drill. So it's, it's definitely something to watch. Um,
0: well, and I think...
1: Watch there I- and- I think
0: EOG. Yeah, I think EOG is what I call one of those blue chip companies. You know, they they seem smart. They seem to know what they're doing. Um, if you read some of their history on how they've been strategic in their moves, they seem to be on top of their game. Um, my, my, my question would be is, um, with the earnings reports that are coming out, have you ever stepped back and looked at it and said, okay, even if the oil is going up or the oil's trending down, um, with the earning reports, does that affect on any level how many permits are being drilled just because companies are maybe fearful that if they have a bad earnings report and they got a bunch of permits out there that maybe that it will uh, compound the issue? Or, or is that maybe just... just something that's not related related at all
1: in a way it is i mean when they set their capex budgets for the year they do take that into consideration as a factor but then what they also take in as a factor in consideration are lease obligations
0: right you know right
1: they're under legal obligations to drill within so many months or years right you know if, if they can do that they sell the asset and you know um that's i mean that would be another thing that you see out there and then they they try to find ways to drill smarter. Um, like mm-hmm. what I've seen some companies do is they'll do like a two for one. They'll file two permits for the same lease at the same time. Set one, bring one rig there, drill one well, skid it over, you know, however many feet they need to, and and drill that second well. You know, kind of fulfilling their lease obligation there.
0: Right, so, right. So right. I mean,
1: it is. It it is true somewhat, I'm sure it's a factor, but, but otherwise there are, there are other factors that come into play for, you know, the, the number of drilling permits a company, yeah, uh, right. No,
0: yeah. If you get leases, yeah, if you got leases that are going to expire, you're, you're probably not worried about the earnings report too much. You got to go, you got to go pop them holes. So no, I was just listening to uh, I think it was pioneers. Yeah. I don't know if you saw what happened to pioneer stock this week, but uh I felt bad for folks who had who had bought pioneer at like 160 because you know it, it just really plummeted. But I was listening to their um, to the to their quarter call earnings call and uh, just do some of the stuff that you, when you hear the CEOs talk from these um, at these earnings reports, you just kind of sit back and wonder. You know, obviously they're trying to minimize the damage and um you know make sure everything sounds as, as positive as it was and I, I just thought you know i wonder when you look at these permit numbers um because these analysts that are asking the questions obviously they're studying all this stuff how much that they're going to pull and they're going to put out there and um with their with their interpretation of the data if that was a big factor or not but i think you make a good point there that you know if you have a lease that's going to expire then you got to drill unless you're going to lose the if unless you're going to lose the lease sure, which,
1: and, and just because you drill doesn't mean you have to complete the well either right, necessarily. right i mean there's plenty of ducks out there you know drilling but uncompleted wells out there in the Ford and elsewhere. I think the inventory was at twelve hundred at one point or fourteen hundred ducks out there, you know, in South Texas. And you know, you can drill it and right now you can still get, you know, a bargain price on, on drilling rigs. So you can get it drilled, you know, cheaply and quickly, but then just leave complete it at a at a later time date. So that's yep. always an option for these companies too. So
0: absolutely with well, Sergio we it would it, it, it makes sense to do a, a
1: completions report drilling <laughs> you know, and see, you know, the follow-up. Right,
0: right, exactly. No, ex- Exactly. Well, Sergio, I know we're up against it. We had some technical problems today, but um, I'm, I'm, I know the listeners are begging for the Cabot update. Do you have the Cabot update for us today?
1: Well, my apologies to Cabot, Ryan. We just we just ran out of time.
0: Okay, well, we, we will get to Cabot next week. And, hey, are you going to NAEP in two weeks? I, need to, I meant to ask you that earlier. Are you going to be there? Me?
1: No, uh, the Houston Business Journal will be covering that for us, so we're looking forward to seeing what they come out with or what
0: announcements...
1: Uh, and gossip comes out of there well there's a nat nat gas uh, mexico forum here in san antonio I'm covering and a, i think a couple other things to sign up for well and i think this year Doug and Ertek are in Austin, I think. So.
0: Yeah, they have a Doug Eagleford, which will we we promoting here pretty soon. That's in e, uh, San Antonio this year, and so um, right. The Doug Eagleford. And then will
1: be back here in town later this later this summer. So
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I would just think that the man who single handedly got the FERC appointments pushed through and uh, <laughs> is breaking news like you are would be at NAEP headlining the show. But you know, what do I know? So <laughs> Sergio, it's <was> good talking <laughs> to you, and we will talk to you next week.
1: All right, man. Take it easy. Bye.